Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 341, and today we are talking about our favorite novels of 2021. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you live from bookriot.com. Hello, Vanessa! Hey, hi. Hi for, like, the first actual time ever looking at your face. <laughs> I know, right? I guess yeah. uh, I should clarify immediately for people who are listening to this on Tuesday that it's yes. not actually live for you. Uh, we are recording this live in front of some fabulous insiders uh, through the miracle of video on our computers. I don't even know the words. I'm so old. I'm like, computers... I have a Commodore There is 64. a screen, and it projects <laughs> us, and you see it. It's yeah. excellent. So if this sounds a little different, it's because we can actually see each other, which is very exciting. And we might answer a couple of questions in the comments or, you know, rap, I don't know, something different for a change. But <laughs> for the most part, <clears throat> it's books, which is, which is why we're here. Um, I don't know about you, but, like... Almost none of the books on my list today have made any other lists at the end of the year, which is which is kind of unusual for me. And I'm just like, is it me this year? Have my tastes changed? Like, I would go to the map for these books. For these? I'm so glad you, you said know? that. I'm so glad you said but that. Like, I was thinking the same thing. Like, the, I yeah. think maybe one of mine, may, maybe, maybe one of mine, but overall not. And in case, I don't know that we said this, today we're talking, oh yeah, maybe you did say this at the beginning. We're talking about our favorite books of the year. And I had yeah, to question multiple times. Yes, novels. So one, I absolutely had to correct myself on that because I definitely had two nonfiction <laughs> titles in there that I was like, we're just going to take those out. Uh, and I had to remind myself whether these books actually came out this year because so many of my titles, I read them so long ago that I'm like, no, I absolutely yeah. read those in 2020. Nope, I didn't. I read yeah. them this year. So weird. Yeah, it's it's so <laughs> confusing. It's just like, ugh. but everybody is feeling it. Everybody is where absolutely. we are at the end of the year. And I'm also at that spot where I talk about every year that, like, there's, it's, what's today? December 8th? Mm-hmm. There's still, you know, however, I can't do the math, however many days left in December, but I'm like, yeah. I want to start a new reading list. I'm ready to start a new reading yeah, spreadsheet. Like, it just, like, let's just forget the rest of the year. I want a clean new sheet. <laughs> I want to start again and see how many I can do. I get very excited to do that. Me too. Instead of, I should be like, how many more can I get in this year? I don't know. I don't know why. I, I can't figure that out, but. It's um, fine. It's fine. Yeah. I do both, and it's fine. <laughs> I get yeah. overly ambitious with my end of year because we have to. We get to a point where we no longer have to read like new books for the rest of the year. And I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna read all the backlist in like three three weeks, and I usually read approximately twenty percent of what I said I was gonna read. But that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. It is. So we are going to start talking about those books. Yep. But before we do that, uh, we are going to hear from our first one. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Sir. I'm marking down notes. People at home are like, what is she doing? She's <laughs> writing an SOS to her husband to come save her. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> Bring me just some towels. I'm already sweating. Um, but actually, no, I'm just marking down the note time. Uh, so here we, we go. I, I'm going to kick it off today with my favorite book of the year. That's, that's what I'm calling it. And I cannot talk about this book enough, and I think this is the fourth time I've mentioned it on the podcast now, and I don't even care. It is The Rib King by Lady Hubbard, because this is my 2021 book obsession. 
Like, there are books that I read, and I love them. There are books that I read, and I'm like, that was great. I'm probably not going to read it again. And then there are books that I read, like this and one of the other ones later in the list, where I'm like, I need to read that again immediately, and then maybe again next week, and then in a few more weeks. Like, just you know, Gideon the Ninth, the library <laughs> at Mount Char, you know, like, I just, you know, uh, the parking lot attendant, Fever Dream. These are books in the, in the recent years that I read over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And this is another one of them. And every time I read it, I'm like, this is brilliant. Why isn't this, why didn't this win all the awards? It, so it is set in the early 20th century. It's the story of the black staff at a home for a once wealthy white family who are no longer wealthy, but they're cutting corners and making changes and trying to keep up appearances. And this is very stressful for the staff and people are getting fired and there's infighting and jealousy among the staff, like who gets which promotion. And there are violent racists in the center of their town. Like, these people are traveling to work and it's unsafe for them because of these people in town. Uh, and the man who has been appointed, the new butler in the house, is... He's got some stuff going on. He's kind of digging this woman who works at the house. He's also reading this novel that appears to have taken a story from his own life. And he's working with a woman in the kitchen on a rib sauce recipe that the family ends up stealing and selling as their own. And because of this incident, there is just violence. There, the house is shattered by violence. And that's where the first part of the book ends. And then the second part of the book is about one of the former staff members of this home, Jenny. She, it's 10 years later. She's trying to, establish, to establish a business for herself. She has a beauty parlor. She wants to start a line of beauty creams. But you know, there's you know, racism, there's politics, there's sexism. And on top of that, she's trying to get out from underneath the shadow that the events in that home cast on her. Meanwhile, you know, the Rib King, the person who is the face of this rib sauce that's going around, has just, is still causing trouble, like, everywhere because of his existence, basically. It's so good. For some reason, even though it's set, like, 30, 40 years later, it gave me very Deadwood vibes, which is, mm. like, my favorite TV show of all time. <coughs> except for the third season. We don't talk about that. Um, but it, it just, oh, it was just brilliant. And every time I read it, I'm like, this is so brilliant. Uh, and so, yes, calling it my favorite book of the year. Lady Hubbard has a collection of short stories coming out in March, which I just got my hands on. I'm very excited about called The Last Suspicious Pulls <coughs> Out. And this is The Rib King by Lady Hubbard. Also, I just want to mention that I told you, like, oh, we just have to talk for, like, two minutes about each one. And then I just went on and on and on and on. <laughs> I grabbed my phone timer to put it by me because I am absolutely, <laughs> good. like, somebody needs to do that thing where they yank me off because this is going to be a challenge. Uh, but all good. We're just really jazzed about the books we're talking about. <laughs> I've been meaning to read The Rib King. I bought it <laughs> since you and I did it on the show together. And it's stared uh -huh. at me right there. But, you know, shh. Anyway. Oh. So, <laughs> move it to the top air pile. I will. I will. That's on the list for the the big backlist. It's not even backlist. Anyway, uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and talk about my first pick, which is so different. <laughs> that is Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Satanto. This is a big book riot favorite, and I've been pushing it on anybody who will listen. It is a cozy mystery, but it is it's just batty. It is so like slapstick. It's so fun. <laughs> it's like I don't. So uh, the main character is Madeline Chan, and she is a photographer who has kind of built this career as a wedding photographer in cohort with her aunties and her mom. They have a, like a wedding planning business. And at the start of it, she finds out that she's been set up on this blind date that she really doesn't want to go on, but her mom like basically set it up. She finds that out later. So she goes on this blind date, is really not having a great time, and then, whoops, she kills him. <laughs> and it's because it's in it self-defense. It's, it's in self-defense. Uh, something happens and it's a total accident. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? And this is all happening on the eve, like right before the biggest job that she and her aunties and her mom have ever landed. So she's trying to coordinate the fact that she needs to be somewhere. She needs to get, you know, the cake to certain places and the rest of the, the food and then all of these things she's trying to coordinate. It's like on an island. So there's just a bunch of logistics and she's got this like body and she doesn't know what to do. She calls her mom who then enlists the help of the aunties and they decide that they're just going to hide the body. It's fine. Like it's not the time to get into this. Like he was a really bad man. It was a total accident. Like we're just going to go about like nothing happened and it just goes 
you know, absolutely bananas from there. My favorite detail has to be that when you find out that it was the mom that set up the blind date, that <laughs> she was, she basically created like a fake dating profile for Madeline for her daughter and then had an exchange with this guy. And she is an immigrant, like her, her family's all, I believe, Indonesian. And so the mom who's, you know, older is texting with this guy and is like, oh, how nice. He offered to cook you her dinner. Like that's, she's telling her this, like he offered to cook you dinner. That I thought that was so sweet. She's like, what do you mean he offered to cook me dinner? He wanted to make your favorite dish. He sent an eggplant emoji and that's like your favorite dish. And she's like, no, anyway, but the the book, I'll stop yapping about it. You have to go read it for yourself. But when I say slapstick humor, it's like, it's probably a little bit unrealistic. It's everything that goes wrong can when you're trying to hide the body of a dude who came at you wrong in like a giant cake, cake cooler that mysteriously gets placed from place to place. But it's just so, it's so much fun. And there is a sequel already coming next year. So go read it. It's an excellent time. So many actual laugh out loud moments. It's not an exaggeration. (laughs) That's Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sotanto. I'm going to take us back to The Dark and Strange because that is what I do. This is the other book that I've read several times this year. And Mm -hmm. again, just... Although this one was nominated for the Center for Fiction First Novel Award. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Cooper Smith. And... I read, see, I feel bad talking about it because I read this book without knowing anything about it. I just knew that Kelly Link blurbed it, and I was like, I am there. I'm there. So I went into it, like, having no idea what it was about. And it is one of the weirdest, most visceral, haunting books I have ever read. Multiple times now. And the basic premise is that it's about two women in Vietnam who disappeared at different times. One of them is Winnie. She's a Vietnamese-American. She has traveled to Vietnam to teach English. And we know at the beginning of the book that she's going to disappear. It's like, you know, this is what Winnie was doing 11 days before she disappeared or or 11 weeks or something like that. And, you know, we go through, like, her experiences in the country. Like, you know, this is the country that her family is from, but she doesn't really speak the language. And she's just not feeling comfortable in her own skin. And she's not feeling comfortable in her life while she's there. Uh, there's also one of the main characters is a priest who performs exorcisms and then a group of three young friends who get into mischief and then there's jealousy when they get older and then someone something bad happens there's also scenes of war during the Vietnam Vietnam War there's just there's a haunted wood like there's ghosts like basically to read this book you have to just be like okay ghosts are real you have to get on board with that you know, or you get left behind. And there's just so many hauntings and the descriptions of sights and sounds and smells and, you know, people cough up objects, like big things of hair randomly and, like, they can change shapes and there's lots and lots of snakes. Like, well, I don't know what the collective word is for snakes. Like, a, the oodles of snakes. <laughs> I don't know. There's just a lot of snakes. And this is one of those books that I, I read it and... I always say this, and it's hard to explain what I mean by it. I'm like, this book is ruining my life. Like, I love that feeling of just being like, I just, all my bones are melting in my body, and I'm not going to be able to stand up when I finish this book because it's ruining my life. Um, But, oh, it's just so good. So if you want something awesome and weird and kick-ass, it is Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Coopersmith. Book people can relate to, like, this book ruined my life. Please read it. Like, book, book people yeah. know. <laughs> it's totally yeah. normal. But it's like, in a, it's like in a good way. It's not like when you're like, yeah. oh, I think this milk is bad. You smell it. You know, it's like. Oh, my gosh. It's yes. like, this is a, this book ruined my life. You read it. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's like that. I, it's had high praise. I like it. Yeah. All right. I'll keep us moving along here. I love this book so much. It's Master of Jin by P. Jelly Clark, who uh, love this book so much. So it's actually the third book in the Dead Jin universe. You may recognize the first two were actually novellas. It's uh, Dead Jin in Cairo and The Haunting of Tramcar 015. This is the first full length novel in that universe. And they can all be read as standalone. So don't let that perturb you. So this one is set in an alternative steampunk Cairo in 1912. And decades earlier, it said that this Sudanese mystic named Al-Shahiz, he was like a mystic and an inventor, shook the world when he literally drilled a hole in between like the veil that separates the magical and the, you know, non-magical worlds using a mix of magic and machinery. And then he disappeared. And But it's said that Al-Shahiz still roams the world, basically, and like wreaks havoc 
everywhere he goes in this world, which is now magical, like angels and jinn exist alongside humans. And as a result, well, as of many events that you'll read in the books, Cairo and other countries besides Egypt are not in servitude to European colonial rule. So the main character is Agent Fatma al-Sha'arawi, and she is a special investigator, the youngest woman in the, oh my gosh, let me remember the name of this, the Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities, I think. And she's been hired to investigate this case of a man that is the head of a brotherhood, or, or sorry, he is a man who has murdered an, an entire brotherhood that is dedicated to this al-Jahiz character. To, and the guy is claiming to be al-Jahiz return to like condemn the modern age so she has to go in and investigate figure out whether he is who he says he is is he not what was the purpose of killing all these people if it wasn't and again steampunk there's like boilerplate robot eunuchs and just all all this really delicious commentary on feminism on colonialism the role of gender and class in society there's like a side kind of romance plot there's some queer representation it's just so many wonderful things in this awesome like again alternate historical fiction and I I just like I've devoured this book and I want to read it again so much it is fun to have read the other two books because they do provide some context as to just the setting it'll help with a little bit of the world building but I actually read them like backwards and I, I still enjoyed this book so so much I'll also read anything set in Egypt so if you want a little bit of that but of a this is like of a different flavor than you might normally get then definitely pick this up that is <coughs> I have a cough that I'm trying to suppress I'm so sorry oh, no. uh, Master of Jin by P. Jelly Clark all right yeah he's great I love everything oh, that he does so good so Okay, my next... I feel like I keep saying, like, this book is so good, but of course Same. it's so good. These are on our best of fiction <laughs> This one's <show>. alright. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even read this one. Um, no, I love this book. It is Meet Me in Another Life by Katrina Sylvie. And this one is so perfect if you've been, like, chasing that time traveler's wife feeling or you love that book. I'm not going to say movie, although aren't they also making it into a TV show now? I think so. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, if you love... You know, time travel, kind of, you know, time loops, I guess I should say. This book is for you. Um, there is so much I can't tell you about this book without ruining it because it's about time travel and time loops and it's, you know, there's stuff that happens that would spoil it. But um, basically it's about Thora and Santi. They are two young college students when they meet at the beginning of the book and they kind of hit it off. They have a lot in common. They're in a, a foreign city. They're in college in Germany. And they hit it off, and then one of them dies. That is not a spoiler. That is just what happens, and you need to know that, because then in the next chapter, we meet Thora and Santi again. But this time, they are, I think, father and daughter. I don't remember the order that it goes in. But Thora and Santi keep meeting, and they're father and daughter. They're doctor and patient. They're police officer partners. They're um, husband and wife. Um, you know, sometimes, like, mostly, most of the time, you know, Santi has a wife and Thora has a girlfriend, or Thora has a wife and he has a girlfriend, um, but sometimes they end up together, but, like, this happens, like, hundreds, maybe thousands of times, and as the chapters go by and they keep living these lives, they start to remember things. They start to think, like, I already know about this person or this, you know, who they love or you know, what has happened in their past. And, and eventually they're like, we are stuck in a time loop. They finally figure it out. It takes a long time, but they're like, we're stuck in a time loop. Why are we stuck in a time loop? Can we get out of it? Do we want to get out of it? What happens if we get out of it? And it's just, it's just so, ugh. I loved this book. This book made me cry probably more than any novel this year. And it's just about... You know, it's obviously about reincarnation and getting to do your life over again, kind of, without really knowing it, but then you do know it. And it's about death and family and love and friendship and your beliefs. And it asks the question, can you ever really know anyone else completely? Can you ever really know someone else completely? Even if you spend thousands of lifetimes with them, like, do you ever really know someone completely? It's just, oh, it's so good. And it's going to be a movie and I cannot wait to watch it. It is Meet Me in Another Life by Katrina Sylvie. Oh, I've been wanting to read that one too. We always do this. <laughs> I always end up leaving with like more stuff to read after we're done talking. <laughs> uh, so bad. Anyway. <clears throat> okay. So I absolutely love and 
definitely cried at this next book. I don't know that that was the intention, but I did. <laughs> this is called The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary. Beth O'Leary wrote one of my favorite like cozy reads of last year that was called The Switch, which is a really great like septuagenarian protagonist, like falling in love. Anyway, I love Beth O'Leary's style. So when I saw this one, I was like, oh, cool, pick it up. And it did not disappoint. It was very different, but so much fun. Two main characters are Addie and Dylan, and they, when we the book opens, they are essentially they have spent or are spending the summer falling in love under the you know Provence sun. Addie is working at this villa, like that's she's like kind of caretaking it, and Dylan, whose family was supposed to be there on this big like family vacation, but then due to this big fight they got in, like they all ditched. He decides to come anyway. So she is there to, in theory, like, take care of this family. She's expecting some, you know, old dude and his giant family. Instead, this, like, you know, looking dude shows up and she's like, hey, she's like, hey. And so they basically have this villa more or less to themselves and decide to spend, you know, some time getting to know each other. And then it gets very sexy, steamy. And then from there, the book sort of flashes back and forth between the love story of, you know, that introduction and where they are now. And it's very clear from like chapter two that things are are no longer good, that they're no longer together. And so we actually see Addie and her sister that are driving on the way to a friend's wedding, the friend who, by the way, owned that villa that she was working at. So they're driving, they're stuck in traffic. This is all in, takes place in England. They're on their way to Scotland when bam, they get rear-ended. And who is it in the car behind them? It's Dylan and his best friend who Addie cannot stand. Like, <laughs> just cannot stand him at all. So they have this you know, interaction. It's every bit as awkward as you're expecting it to be. They realize they're both going to the same wedding. And so against everyone's better judgment, they're like, okay, we've got to be there. We're already running late. I guess we're all just going to carpool in this rental car. And they do. And it goes how you can probably predict that it does. <laughs> so you're getting the flashbacks. Again, you're seeing their really sweet love story and then slowly watching, watching as you know that it's going to, to you know, come apart. And then you're getting the present, which is also very slapstick, like some of the most ridiculous chapters I've read in a long time. There's also another guy in the car that's like a coworker and he adds to some really strange scenes. But it is a romance, so you know that there is an HEA, you know, on the horizon. You just got to work to get there. But the story of, like, how they come undone and then how they, you know, eventually obviously make it back to each other was really touching and gets a little bit dark. I will give a trigger warning at the end of my little discussion here for some of it. It's not graphic, but again, the story of just how, especially when you're young and in love, things fall apart for reasons that may or may not be either party's fault, but it's just, just the way it goes and again, the humor. Like, I relied so heavily on stuff that made me laugh this year, and this did not disappoint. So, trigger warning for some discussions of past sexual assault that is there. Do with that what you will, if that is something that is not okay for you. But again, this book was just so much fun. I really love Beth O'Leary's brand of romance. So, again, that is The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary. All right. Um, did I, I don't think I told you this, but uh, like four times this week, I've almost texted you to be like hey we have to set up a date on friday to record the podcast like it's like <laughs> the middle of the week like we haven't done it like we're totally forgetting that we're recording actually recording on a wednesday <laughs> yes instead of like friday like we normally do and so even knowing that we were doing that because this is an unusual occurrence you're like thinking I about like, it oh vanessa like oh wait no it's right it's right we're doing it yeah. <laughs> we're doing so it now, now. <laughs> so now like we have a little free time on friday <clears throat> we do maybe you know read a book or I'll probably play World of Warcraft. That's what happens <laughs> in my free time lately. That is totally but, fine. Yeah. All it. right, moving on. My next book is also set in space. It is In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. And it's in space. It is about a young girl named June at the beginning of the book. Uh, her She lives with her aunt and uncle. She worships her uncle. He is a brilliant, brilliant scientist helping them helping the earth get to other planets and other stars and he dies and his wife her aunt doesn't know what to do with her like she's too smart she almost burns the house down being too smart and she sends her off to this space school because in the future there is space school and it's actually named after her uncle because he's that smart like he gets a whole big space school named after him and people of all ages can go and learn to be astronauts and work on space stations and do all this stuff because this is the future uh, and she's, you know, it's like, I call it Space Hogwarts, which is like a thing I stole from Lindy West's new book that came out this year, too. Um, and 
she still doesn't really fit in, though, because she's only 12, and the average age of the first year students are 15, but because of her uncle, she gets special permission, and she's, like, off the charts genius. So it's still kind of, like, isolating, and she feels alone, and she figures out, even though she's only 12, that this missing space shuttle, this, like, crew that went out on this mission, and they lost track of them, she figures out that they're still out there, and they're still alive, but no one will listen to her because she's only 12. And so she works really hard at school, keeps trying to figure out ways to, like, get people to listen to her. And then the book jumps to when she's 18 and she has graduated and she is now getting her own job on a space station. And she still hasn't forgotten, though, that there it's, like, several years later and these poor people are still out there. She's certain of it. But now she's in a better position to do something about it and get people to listen to her. And it's also about what happens at that space station um, it's, it's so good. Uh, I love June. I, you know, she felt very real and I really, she, my, I, my heart ached for her because she was just so like nuts. She seems to hold up really well in the face of everything that's happened to her. But, you know, I felt bad for her and, you know, this poor girl. Um, I loved that in, in the future, like space school is like run down summer camp. Like they sleep in these ratty beds in the middle of a giant warehouse and like things are they're always breaking and they're always like trying to duct tape stuff together on the space shuttles and like space is like a thing that we can do but you know it's been done so much now that it's like ugh, new parts funding whatever and so they're just like trying to put it together I really liked that part of it too because in in th movies and books you always feel like space is shiny and everything is new and it's like well it can't always stay like that so I found that to be very realistic, but I just adored this book to pieces. Uh, it is In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. Amelia in the comments said that she just got her, sorry, you didn't get to be an astronaut in the 2021 NASA class letter the other day. Like, <laughs> like, this is excellent information. Was it delivered have. by a flying alien? You'll have to ask Amelia. <laughs> I have no good segue. I love that our books are just like, we're not going to be thematically related at all. And that is great. That's okay. And follows the usual formula. <laughs> My next pick is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay. I love this book so much. And I read it so long ago. This is definitely one of the ones that I said, no, there's no way that this came out this year. It did. It came out in March. <laughs> but oh. it's so good. So the main character is Donis Fontaine. She is an unenrolled biracial tribal member with dreams of studying medicine. She's, she's 18. But she defers enrollment to stay behind, stay locally, and help care for her mother and grandmother when she witnesses a horrible crime. She witnesses the murder of her best friend. And this is not a spoiler. It happens quickly in the book and um, described in the copy. But then that killing is followed by a string of several other suspicious deaths, all involving people from the res and the murders appear to be linked to a lethal new cocktail of meth that is just wreaking havoc on the reservation and Donis gets pulled into an undercover investigation by an outsider who's you know not from the res into trying to figure out like the source of the meth and it brings her in contact with a new boy in town who is maybe not letting on things about himself but she's very intrigued by so she doesn't know if she can trust him can she not you know it can she trust her own instincts like that is, is a question that weighs on her the entire time and because she's so not sure who she can trust she basically ends up kind of starting her own side like super secret investigation using her knowledge of chemistry and Ojibwe traditional medicine to kind of uncover the secrets and get to the bottom of like what's actually happening. There's so much wonderful culture in this book, like explanations of like Ojibwe customs and Donis is such an amazing character to root for because she's very, she's smart, she's savvy, she is pulled in a couple different directions by who she wants to be and what she wants to achieve and her ties to her family and the people she loves. She's obviously grieving her friend. It's just a book that kept me glued to it. I don't think I got up off the couch that day while I was listening. Uh, and I was listening to it. Funny enough, it was an audiobook, but I still like sat there and I uh, did like a craft because I just couldn't stop. It was, it was so, so good. I wish I could remember the audiobook narrator's name. Uh, this one also comes with a trigger warning for some discussions of sexual assault. 
but the book is so so wonderful it's a YA novel which I don't think I mentioned but if you haven't yet picked this one up I know I had a lot of hype around it this year it's worth it please pick it up <laughs> so good that's Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulet all right my next pick, I wanted to hold up the UK cover because it was so cool, but I forgot to dig it out, and <laughs> I'm not going to find it in, in like, you at home in that. can see, you know, this. Yeah, I just straightened it recently because, like, in one day, yes. stacks of books fell down, and, you know, behind me, right here is where that Sally Man memoir fell and gave me a concussion one time, um, so we <laughs> sit very close to the desk now. <laughs> So I can't. I don't know what I did with the UK cover of this book. It's Reprieve by James Han Matson. The UK cover is fluorescent green with this white envelope with like blood spilling out of it, and it's so cool. And now that I'm saying it out loud, it's probably for the best that I don't have it here. Um, but I thought it was so cool. Uh, it and again loved this book. Just thought it would be on a lot more lists this year. Uh, we'll go to the mat for it. Love it. It's set in Lincoln, Nebraska. It is about, <laughs> and I got, a, I got like chills talking about it last time, and I'm already getting chills talking about it this time again. It's about a full contact haunted house escape room, which is just like all of my nightmares, like uh, in one, in one thing. It's called the Quigley House. It is 1997 in Nebraska, and this is a full contact haunted house where you and three other team members sign up to go into this house. And you have to get through all five of the rooms, which are full of really scary, gross, disgusting things. And the people in there are dressed up in really creepy costumes. And they're allowed to, like, lay hands on you. And, you know, like, you can fight back. And, like, (laughs) if you get through all five rooms, you and your team get, I think it's like $60,000. Which is, in 1997, you each get $50,000. That's great. Um, And if if you can't take it anymore you say the safe word, which is reprieve. And this house has been around for years and years and years, and only one team has ever made it through the house. Everyone mm. says the safe word because it's so distressing, right? So at the beginning of this book, we know that someone has for real been murdered in this house during a competition. And the story is then told by a few of the people who were there. Uh, there's Kendra. She's a young black woman whose father has just died. Her mother uproots her. She's just, like, starting to fall in love with this guy that she knows, and her mother takes her <coughs> away to Nebraska to live with her sister and her cousin because she needs the support and she needs family. And so now Kendra's in Nebraska, and she finds out about this house, I think from, if I remember correctly, from the guy that, that she's still talking to back home. And her aunt and mother are like, stay away from that place like do not go there but she does she sneaks off and she gets a secret job there and she's like working in the parking lot parking cars and you know she hangs out with all these older kids and learns all kinds of bad things that she shouldn't learn and so she's there and then there's a man named Leonard Gratton who is the manager of a hotel in town whose life has not turned out the way he thought it would or the way that he thinks it should and that he deserves and he gets swept up in some local excitement involving the owner of the house and then there's JD who is a gay college student from Thailand who has come to Lincoln Nebraska because he has been in love with the man who came to Thailand to teach him English uh, when he was young he's been in love with him ever since then and he's been looking all over the globe for him and he found him in Lincoln Nebraska he's teaching there so he goes to see his unrequited love This book is not just about terror, it's about racism, entitlement, racial fetishism, sexuality, grief, fear, exploitation, capitalism. It's, it's excellent. I mean, it's, I hate saying this, I always say, I hate saying this, it's not for everyone, you know, it's kind of alarming in a lot of places, but I thought it was so, it said so much and it was so important that you know, it was kind of worth, you know, going through anyway because it was so good and I cannot wait to see what he does next because I loved this so much. Um, even though I would never want to go in a haunted house. Yeah. No. I have been, I did stay at the Lizzie Borden house, which seems That's like right. critical to say, but, um, but that was like, that was a whole silly experience. That, <laughs> like, you know, those people make mad bank 
just they do. you know exploiting that and people like me who will go there and do that um so and i wonder if they it was up for sale recently i wonder if they sold it whoever bought it somebody you know, like a zillion to. dollars yeah <laughs> it was like when we were there this was like in 2000 i think my first husband and i and it was 300 dollars for a room and Ooh. they had five rooms and they did this year round and people wanted to get married there on Halloween and it Oy. was booked out like Oy. 10 years and people wanted to get married there on the date of the murders the anniversary of the murders and that was booked out like 15 years. Forever. Like that oh is gosh. that is something like me I'm like oh I'm just sleeping in her parents bed like look at these weirdos who want to <laughs> oh my get gosh, married the on parents the day of bed. the murders. Yeah. Which by the way you know people were a lot shorter back then. Oh my so gosh. my 6'5 husband trying to sleep in a six-foot bed was like, I paid $300 for this room and I can't fit in the bed. Um, which is kind of funny. But we've gotten way off track now. Uh, you know, it's a relatable content. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Like now as an adult, I'm like, oh, Lizzie Borden. <clears throat> but as a child, I didn't have a lot of like redheaded figures in history to hear about. You know? I had like Lizzie Borden, Vincent Van Gogh. Judas and Lucille Ball, I think, were like the four people I got to like hear about. So I spent a lot of time reading about her. Um, anyway, all right. So before Vanessa brings us back down to this planet, uh, we are going to hear from our next sponsor. Okay, isn't that funny? Like you, people can actually see us just being like, "We'll take a pause now." Yep. Hold it. Okay, and now it's time to keep talking. You've seen behind the scenes, absolutely. Yeah. I am significantly better looking on this recording than I usually am, like in my oh. giant blankie. And <laughs> but it's still you're getting most of the true behind the scenes. <laughs> I'm significantly more dressed. Many, many levels, <laughs> many levels. <laughs> so my next pick is one that I am always so terrible at describing concisely. I'm going to try, but I just love it so much, and that is the Inheritance of Orquídea Divina by Soraya Cordova. This is her first adult novel. She has written some of my favorite books in the the uh, Brooklyn Brujas series. So, oh my gosh, Labyrinth Lost, Brooklyn Bruja, I think is what it's called. Anyway, that series, I love her so much. And this one, she has described as like the work of her heart. It's the work that she poured so many years into, and it was like a labor of love. And I think it shows. It's just so lovely. It's an intergenerational novel that is just dripping in magical realism. The beginning of the book is set in 1960, and we meet Orquídea Divina, who is from Ecuador, and she essentially sort of just created a house for herself in this dying town called Four Rivers in Texas. I can't remember that part, but I believe it's Texas. But the house sort of seems to have like sprung up from out of nowhere. The land around it has is prosperous and lush in like ways that no one can really like explain. And then we get we flash, and we learn that decades later she has sent letters to three of her grandchildren, basically summoning them back to Four Rivers for her funeral and to collect their inheritance. And they're like, okay, so you know where you're gonna die? She's like, yes, I, actually I do. Uh, so they, they all go. And this family, the Montoyas, they've just, they, they're used to a life where nothing is explained. Like they, they know better than to ask why weird, they, like unexplained things happen. Why like the pantry is like never low or empty and why, this you know the matriarch okay, they like won't leave the house they just kind of don't ask they all go off and like do their separate things but now they're being summoned back and you know they've been told that they have to show up at this precise time because that's when it's dictated that they should and so they get there and like they nothing's happening like have we if, have we been hoodwinked or she, did she lie did she forget like what is going on so they finally go into the house and they realize that orchidea has been transformed and she, she's literally like like essentially rooted into the ground like there's actual roots coming up and she's like what kind of becoming one with the earth and then that leaves them with obviously a whole lot of questions <laughs> so we're also getting to know individually through some sort of back and forth like the individual grandchildren and where like their life has taken them we get to know more about orchidea's origin story how she you know came to for rivers and why and like what happened once she was there and that's kind of all I want to tell you because the rest is just really beautiful to discover on your own. It's definitely about, you know, family and also that idea that like, do you ever really know the people that you call your family? The idea of like coming home, like what home means. 
And Zoraida is just such a beautiful writer. I, I love that this is her first foray into adult fiction. I think she did a really great job. And it's just so nice to see an intergenerational story with magical realism that's, you know, kind of up, updated or like new. So I love it. I love this book. I've read it twice, once on audio and once in print. And I, I am a rereader, but generally do not have enough time in one, like in the same calendar here to do it. And I absolutely busted it because it was just so great. And because it's narrated by one of my favorite audiobook narrators, Frankie Corso, She does a great job. So yes, if you haven't yet done any Soraya Cordova works, pick them all up. They're great. I love everything. But this one is probably my new favorite. And that is The Inheritance of Orquidea Divina by Soraya Cordova. It is an excellent book. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that they ever actually mentioned where the house sprouts up. It's just I just like decided that it was in Texas. In the cool. South somewhere. Like I think I thought it was in Texas, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that that actually says. You might be right. I think I was thinking because like four. There's a there's a four something I think in um, Austin or in San Antonio and I just like made that anyway I'm probably making all of this up fever dream but the book is really great so read the book <laughs> it is really great it is. so my next pick won the Center for Fiction's first novel last yay. night yay. yay it is the Five Wounds by Kirsten Valdez Quaid and Kirsten Valdez Quaid wrote Night of the Fiestas which is an amazing story collection which came out quite a while ago and so I was very excited that she had a novel out this is her first novel and it is this incredible multi-generational tale except it's not like multi-generational like we follow through several generations it's like five generations of one family alive at the same time in New Mexico from a newborn or not yet born to being born baby to an 80 something year old great uncle and it starts out with 15-year-old Angel, she is pregnant, and she shows up at the doorstep of her grandmother's house where her father lives. Her father and her mother are no longer together. She's not getting along with her mother, and she doesn't know what to do with herself, so she decides to go to her dad's house, and also mostly to see her grandmother, because she figures her grandmother will take care of her. And what she doesn't know is that, one, her grandmother is not home, and two, her father, Amado, who is... He's, he kind of is a layabout. He doesn't really do much he can't keep a job he gets into a lot of trouble and he's feeling kind of aimless in his life he has been given this very important job his great uncle has given him the most important role in the procession during holy week he has to carry the cross and portray jesus in this in this parade in this procession and so he's taking this very seriously because no one usually calls on him to do anything seriously or important and now here's his very pregnant teenage daughter at his doorstep, like kind of harshing his mellow. And so do people still say that? I don't even know. I think I just saw it in a TV show somewhere. Anyway, so, you know, she's like, where's grandma? What we don't know is that her grandmother is off on this trip because she's just received some news that has just changed everything for her in her life. And we hear from Angel, Angel's mother who, you know, she has this very fractured relationship with Angel. Um, you know, it's very difficult and, you know, they kind of learn so much about each other and come together over this, like, period of time. And you get to see, like, how your family can hurt you like no one else, but also how they can help you like no one else. And some of the characters in the book are from stories from Night of the Fiestas, but you do not need to know that in order to enjoy the book. In fact, I had pretty much forgotten that when I read it because it was so long ago. Um, but it's just, oh, it's remarkable. If you love multi-generational tales, it is the perfect read for you. It is The Five Wounds by Kirsten Valdez Quaid. We finally have a thing in common with uh, intergenerational reads. <laughs> Very <All> loose right. <laughs> thread. <laughs> but that's fine. I, again, I feel like we keep saying this, but I so love this next book so much. I want to go back and reread it again. And that is Within These Wicked Walls by Lauren Blackwood. So this is actually a Jane Eyre remix. It's it's definitely a remix. Like, you don't have to have read it to get it. But if you do, then you'll be like, ah, I see you. Uh, it's lovely. It's actually an Ethiopian kind of retelling. The main character's name is Andromeda, and Andromeda, I can use words, and she is a Deptera, Deptera, I forget how you pronounce the word, but she's basically an exorcist that is hired to cleanse households of the evil eye. 
The problem is that she's an unlicensed exorcist, and that is because the mentor that she was working with threw her out before she could keep, like gain her licensure. So she's trying to find steady work, but she can't. She's she's talented, like she should be able to work, but you know this really messed her up. So she's trying to find a patron, and then she does, who can you know help her on this path to get her license. See, so again, that's what she was looking for, and she finds that in this man named Magnus Rochester. Rochester, if you will. So he reaches out to hire her. Like, so it's not the other way around. And she takes the job, of course. Like, so that's what she's going to do. But it's pretty evident quickly that, like, it, you know, this she's sort of doing him not a favor, but that this is like a, a transaction that is absolutely going to work both ways. Because this house is not just evil. It is evil. Like, it is going to be a big deal to rid the evil of this house. Never mind that Rochester himself is a little bit all over the place he's you know rude and demanding and kind of eccentric and but really Aldrada is kind of stuck she has to do this like if she doesn't if she wants to earn a living she has no choice but to do this but there is just horror at every turn in this house and she's also as much as he's very volatile very like intrigued by you know Magnus and so that is a thing so we're we're gonna have to figure out, or she's gonna have to figure out whether she can basically write out, you know, this curse. I loved this so much, <laughs> like so so much. I funny enough, when I first started listening to the audiobook, I didn't. I kind of went into it blind. I think I found it on a list of like witchy or witchy adjacent reads, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna add that to cart because we all know that is my jam. And then actually, when I heard the name Rochester, I was like, oh, that's funny. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, I was like, oh yeah, like duh, that makes sense because I love Jane Eyre so much, but it is great. Again, you don't have to have read it if you didn't, or even if you don't like the book for any reason, I still think you would really enjoy this because it just does some really inventive stuff and the horror thread is something that just made me go several times. It's great. <laughs> so yeah, definitely pick that one up. I'm really excited to see what else Lauren Blackwood writes. That's Within These Wicked Wells by Lauren Blackwood. All right. I want to make a really bad joke, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is going to go on the record forever. I'm, I'm feeling very comfortable. I feel like we're, you and I are just chatting. You know, yep, I start yep. going off on these little tangents, but actually it's being recorded and people are watching it at home. <laughs> and so For I should just... all time. Yeah. You know, I should just skip it. So <laughs> this, this next pick is actually my only YA pick on my list this year. It is Little Thieves by Margaret Owen, which is also a retelling of the goose girl was well, also a retelling comma hmm. it's of the goose girl which i did not know the story of at all before i read this book and it is about a princess whose maid steals her life and impersonates her and so the princess has to be the maid somehow but in the end the maid i feel like i read the maid dies somehow like how dare she um i could be i could be wrong but basically you know it's one of those dark violent and classist you know, fairy tales. Um, this one is partly like that, but also so amazing. It's about a young woman named Vanya. And when, when Vanya was a baby, her mother left her in the forest. And the people who found her were the literal embodiments of fortune and death. Like, what are the odds? They decided to take the baby in and raise her. So now she's being raised by fortune and death. Which is kind of strange for a child and unusual and a bit scary uh and when she becomes a teenager they decide like you can make your own choices from now on what do you want to do and she decides to leave she becomes the maid for a princess who treats her cruelly and makes her live in squalor and it's just awful to her and so vanya steals the princess's enchanted necklace and now when vanya puts it on she appears as the princess and like cool deal and now the princess is like having to be a maid or like living outside the castle and Vanya is pretending to be her but being a princess isn't all great either it comes with a lot of problems and complications including a fiance that she doesn't like because he's a monster and, but she's using the ability to turn into someone else to attend all these events at very fancy digs and then she steals. She robs the jewels of the, the, the homeowners. And then turns back into herself. So everyone's like, wait. Who, you know, or turns, you know, turns into herself, steals stuff, turns back to the princess. Nobody knows where the person went who did it. Like right under their noses. 
But now there is a hunter who is looking for the thief and is kind of like getting very close to her. And also her fiance, who has been off for a very long time, has come home and decides that he wants to get married like right now. And she's like, oh dear, because she's getting ready to pull off the biggest heist of her life so that she can sell all these jewels and get the heck out of there. But what happens is she robs the wrong people. She robs these people whose special ring has magic powers specific only to the person who has it. And now she has been cursed by the skull-headed low god who literally implants a ruby in her cheek. And as time goes by, uh, she has two weeks to return what she has stolen, or she's going to turn into, like, one big jewel-encrusted person, which sounds cool, but it's probably, you know, makes it really hard to eat. And so, she wants to get out of here, she wants to get away from her fiancé, she wants to get these jewels out of her skin. What is a girl to do? It is so fun and flirty, but also, like, very serious. It has some great stuff about trauma in it, you know, and recovering from, like, scary situations. And there's going to be a sequel, which in the time since I wrote these notes has moved from October of next year to February of 2023. Uh, but, you know, hopefully, you know, wow. it'll be amazing as well. And it's just so much fun. It's called Little Thieves and it's by Margaret Owen. That sounds phenomenal. I want that. So good. I love my next pick. Surprise, surprise. And this one's actually a um, <laughs> Kobo original. And I'm so glad it came across my desk. I have a cough drop in my mouth because, again, this (laughs) cough will not leave me. I am so sorry. Uh, This is true behind-the-scenes magic. Uh, So anyway, That's because you have two weeks to return the things that you have stolen. (laughs) It's my little blue topaz. It just swirls around in my mouth. I shine bright like a diamond. Uh, (laughs) Going off the rails. Uh, (laughs) um, So anyway, my next pick, which, again, is a Kobo original, is Murder Most Actual by Alexis Hall. I love Alexis Hall. Don't know if you read Alexis Hall, but Boyfriend Material was one of my favorite books from last year. I have purchased, but have not read. Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake, which I've also heard really good things about. This one, I was never not going to read it. It's a cozy mystery that revisits, how was it pitched? Like the golden age of detective fiction. And it's pitched for fans of Clue, Knives Out, and Only Murders in the Building. It's like, give it to me directly. Like I love, love, all of everything about that. And you'll see some of the parallels in a second. So the main character is a like up and coming true crime podcaster. And she and her wife, who is like a big finance person, go to this getaway at a really fancy schmancy, luxurious hotel in the Scottish Highlands. So again, like give it to me. It's just everything I want in a book. And they're hoping to kind of rekindle some of the, the romance, you know, feelings, but the universe has other plans, and that is that they're going to be trapped in a locked room mystery <laughs> for, you know, in a very, like, Agatha Christie-esque way. The, you know, our main character, Liza, she decides that she's going to investigate this, but she's, you know, a true crime podcaster, but she's like, no, I'm going to solve this crime. So you can probably see the parallels if you've watched Only Murders in the Building on, uh, was it Hulu? Uh, so, but she's like, and people have their opinions on the fact that she's sticking her nose and like trying to, to get this done. They think she's just sort of like, an, you know, an interloper and that she's meddling where she shouldn't. But she's like, I, I know crime. <laughs> and you know, decided that she's going to kind of make sense of all of this chaos and discover who the killer is. It's just everything I love about Alexis's Hall writing. Like, it was a fun mystery. It's funny. It's charming. Like, I just always find Alexis's books to be super, super charming. And I flew through it uh, like a few days ago. <laughs> I still had to add it. I think I went back and unfortunately bumped another book off the list, but I really needed to add this one because I just love Alexis Hall so much. So definitely pick this one up if you have liked the rest of his stuff. That's Murder Most Actual by Alexis Hall. Yeah, I loved this book. And so he seems cute. to do like one and done with books, yeah. but I really mm-hmm. hope that this one gets a sequel. Although, like, um,. What's the one that I just mentioned? Boyfriend Material has mm-hmm. a sequel coming out, which again is not usually like oh, jam, but it's I think it's called Husband Material or something just like that. Like husband. How did I miss that? The cover even looks very kind of same structure, mm-hmm. like the guy's leaning. You know, it's yeah. I can't wait because I loved that book. I I like wanted to find myself an Oliver, like the main character. <laughs> so good. Well, I love Murders Most Actual, and nobody has taken me up on this offer yet. I don't know if it's because people haven't read it, but when I talked about it on the podcast. 
You know, there are two specific things about this book that are different about the genre. Like, he takes them and changes them, and they're my two Mm. favorite parts of the book, but I cannot say what they are because it spoils it. That's true. So, I'm so excited. (coughs) Like, if anybody wants to talk about it later, you know, I would love to tell you what those two things are because I was like, so excited when it happened. Um, And for you and I that are such big, like, locker room and, like, Agatha Christie fans, I feel like it's kind of big talk to say that something like that could twist it in a way that we were like, ooh, because for the most part, even though I super enjoy locker room mysteries, I kind of know where they're headed half the time, but I loved this book, so, yeah. Yeah. It was fun. All right, now I'm going to bring us all down with my last pick, (laughs) which I just, oh, so good. It's called Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. It's set in the Pacific Northwest in the 1970s. It's about... A logging family. Rich Gunderson is a fourth-generation logger. He is married to Colleen, and they have a five-year-old named Chubb. And at the beginning of the book, it has been a very hard time for them. Colleen has had several miscarriages, and she wants to keep trying for another baby. And at this point, Rich is like, you know, this is your, your life that you're risking now. It's become very dangerous for her. And he doesn't want to continue trying to have another child. And she's very upset about this. But then they kind of realize that a lot of the women in their town have had miscarriages, a lot of miscarriages. And they realize that there are these pesticides that they are spraying, the loggers are spraying to do certain things. And Colleen thinks that it might have something to do with that. But if they speak up, you know, here are these people in this town, like this is all they have. This is where their family has lived for generations. And, you know, what will that do to them? Like people don't want to don't want to say anything because they're worried about their livelihoods they're worried about their paycheck and so Colleen is just determined to have a baby and meanwhile Rich decides to spend all of their savings that they'd put aside on this parcel of land that has this amazing tree that everyone has always admired like the largest tree in the area and he thinks that if he can cut this tree down and sell it he will have enough money that his son Chubb will not have to be a logger because it is a dangerous job and it has cost the lives of several of his family members and he doesn't want that for his son. But Colleen was also counting on that money to get them out of the town or to fix things or to do something else with, you know, and so she doesn't know that Rich has spent that money. And basically it's a story of two people who will risk everything that, you know, risk losing everything that they have to get what they want. It's about love and loss and doing the right thing and, you know, you know, do you, should you go after your dreams if you're going to lose everything else that you have? Um, it's being compared to John Steinbeck, which I'll allow it. Um, as a Steinbeck fan, you know, I, I'll allow it. Um, the writing is, is what really shines in this book. It's just remarkable. Um, and it's a debut, which is like, what? So, um, and I, I listened to this interview with Ash Davidson where she interviewed some miners in that area. She was originally from that area as a child and she went back and you know she kind of talked to some people in secret who were like yeah this is a dangerous life and things are bad here but I'm afraid to say anything like it's she she really researched this did a lot for it it's just incredible and that is Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson that sounds like a gut punch oh it is I love a gut punch though as do I read that Okay, my last pick, and it's one of my favorites because I just love this series, <laughs> that is Miss Moriarty, I presume, by Sherry Thomas, which I think sounds so funny in an American accent. Like, I love Miss Moriarty, I presume. Like, I listened to this on audio in case you can't tell. Um, but, so this is the sixth, sixth, five, yeah, sixth book in the, yeah, I had to do the math again, um, in the Lady Sherlock series. If you haven't caught up on the rest, I do recommend that you read these in order because there are like otherwise kind of spoilers along the way, but it is one of my favorite mystery series. It's a historical mystery series that's set in Victorian England and it's like a gender, it is a gender bent Sherlock situation. Charlotte Holmes is actually Sherlock Holmes, but she's made her career by convincing people that her brother is like just off in the next room and due to like a medical condition doesn't like to be seen so he is watching from like a camera device and she listens to their issue you know she consults with them and then she's like oh yeah my brother's going to help you solve you know your this crime or like whatever your issue is that they want her to investigate but of course it's all her she's got all those brilliant kind of powers of 
of detection and she's very very observant and just she's like a sherlock character in that way except again she's a woman who has decided to make her way through the world by purposely ruining herself she was like i don't want to be tied to a man so i'm just gonna go ruin myself now i'm gonna live life how i want to so i just love her for all of those reasons she's very independent very sassy very like sex positive and so like in this now sixth installment of the book moriarty is involved as you can probably tell from the title and this time she has been asked to consult on this case by a person who presents himself as mr baxter but she knows is moriarty so she knows that she's in danger she knows that this is like probably going to be a double cross and it's probably a trap but he has asked her to help retrieve his daughter from what he believes is basically like an occult group she is off at a house with these like impossibly high walls this like castle that never got finished out in cornwall and so he wants her to go basically retrieve her because she refuses to like they have kind of a fraught relationship and she he believes that she's trapped at least that's the story that he's you know giving to charlotte she does again she feels like well i have to do this like there is no saying no to moriarty do i think it's a trap probably is there a small chance that it's not or maybe can two things be true like maybe but all this is probably not going to end well and yet i have to do it so that is precisely what she does she assembles you know her team she's got watson who is also a woman and her basically her benefactor in the series and lord ingram who is this love interest of a very slow burn variety that i love i love them so so much together but they all agree to go on what is you know probably not going to be a great resulting mission but one that they have to do and it gets very twisty and interesting from there I think of all the books, I mean, I can't say that this is necessarily my favorite because I feel like I say that about every one of them in this series, but I really enjoyed the story in this one, like a lot. And if you've been following along, I'd love to the point that we've gotten to with Charlotte and Lord Ingram. And as always, which I always say when I talk about this book, I love how obsessed she is with pastries and cakes. Like any opportunity she gets to eat one, that's she'll focus in on like how delicious that eclair is. And she's just like a buxom really badass heroine in every way and but like very understated and smart and she's just you know she gets by by just observing details that a lot of us would miss about the people around her so i love the series read it so much fun i have no idea i've never actually looked into when sherry thomas if she said like whether or not she plans to stop at like a certain point or if she's just going but i feel very lucky to have gotten six books out of the series i hope there are more and that is miss moriarty i presume by sherry thomas all right those are our new books we did it. Wow, we talked a long time today. It's probably my fault. I do go off on tangents. <laughs> That's what we're here for. So, what are you going to read next? I can, Is my you reader nearby? Yes. I just literally, like, hours before got this book I was so excited about. It's a new romance anthology called... I don't know if you can see it. Ah, nope, that's terrible. Um, it's called Amor <laughs> Actually, kind of, maybe there. Oh, it's such a cute cover. But anyway, it's called Amor Actually, which means love, actually. And it is a romance anthology by, oh, but I forget someone's name, Soraya Cordova, although she's writing as uh, her romance, uh, Zoe Castillo, Priscila Olivares, Mia Sosa, Adriana Herrera, uh, who else am I missing? To say Priscila Olivares, I might have just so many fantastic Latina romance writers who were like, hey, there aren't any of these anthologies of a holiday nature by like Latina women. Let's go write it. And so they did. They actually got together for like a writing retreat sometime last year, I think at the height of the pandemic. And so obviously the book didn't come out when they had maybe wanted it to, but it's here now. So holiday romance, I'm like a couple stories in. It's just... Oh, I, I can't wait to finish it. I'm going to do that as soon as we finish recording. <laughs> it's, it's so lovely. Excellent. It's, how about you? <gasps> I feel like we're at a show and tell now. Uh, <laughs> it was Larry Bird's 65th birthday this week. So in honor of Larry Bird's birthday, I bought myself the official illustrated uh. <laughs> history of the Boston Celtics for the 75th anniversary of the Celtics, which is very exciting. But also, I'm going to read... Nuclear Family by Joseph Hahn. Ooh, that which cover. I've heard amazing things about. Yes. Yes, I love it. Um, Counterpoint does such amazing covers. Uh, so, that is it for us. I'm actually not that sweaty. Maybe we should do it live. Maybe it's just that I can't see your face. Secret when unlocked. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe it's because I don't know if it's really you or someone's pretending to be you. Like when we talk, so, it's just so funny because we've always been so see. weird. We're like, no, no video. Like when we record together, oh, we're always know, like, yeah. no, do not. Like we're always so scared, and now we're yeah. like, look how calm and relaxed we are. 
<laughs> it's true. It, it's just you. Like, I literally was on a conference call for an author event before we started recording this, and they were like, turn your cameras on, and I was like, no freaking way. And they were like, Liberty, turn your camera on, we're going to ask you a question. And I was like, no, I'm eating because I have another thing, and no, I will not. And so they were like, Liberty Hardy is here, but she won't turn her camera on. And I was like, well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I had to save my camera face for now. And for like, later. I was eating my dinner because we were doing this thing. Also, this is apparently Absolutely. the universal sign for eating my dinner, which might explain why I always have food all over my clothes. Um, so that is... It for those are us our favorite pictures. Yes, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor Jen Zink, who you, you can't can. see but might be here behind the scenes. If you want to talk to us about books or talk to me about Murder Most Actual, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Vanessa and I mostly hang out on Instagram. She is Buenos Dias SD. I am Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. Because I need to get out of these clothes. <laughs> but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. Oh, we're going to do this together now. Yep. And Ready? in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading. It did not work. It did not. It did on my end. It's the lag. It's the lag. It's fine.